Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network and our friends across all of our ventures, whether that be the Tegna Group or the Odyssey Group, host and home of a whole lot of different entertainment industries. The Locked On Podcast Network, giving you many, many shows for all of your favorite teams across all of your favorite sports, whether that be MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, college football, minor league draft prospects, whatever the case may be, there's a good chance there's a show directly tailored to your favorite teams with hosts that do the dirty work for you. If you don't have enough time to be the super fan you've always wanted to be, don't worry. Just like and subscribe to your favorite Locked On podcast shows covering your favorite teams on all of your favorite platforms, and you can be kept up to date whenever a new show drops so somebody else can do the work for you. All you got to do is tune in and listen to Locked On Podcast Network, your teams, every day. All right, so there's no getting around that this is going to be an inherently sad episode. I'm going to try to lift up a little bit because, as you can tell by the title of this episode, uh, we're going to be discussing the worst-case scenario for the Atlanta Braves in 2021, and that is that Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the five best players in all of Major League Baseball, a person that I have personally a number of times said, Reminds me of King Griffey Jr. and the, just the aspect that he is just the sheer most naturally gifted baseball player I've ever seen. Uh, most certainly, and I, I say this full well knowing what has happened in the course of the Atlanta Braves history, I really do truly believe that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the most naturally talented baseball player the Braves have ever had in the history of the franchise. And that is including such greats and all-time greats such as Chipper Jones and Eddie Matthews and Warren Spahn and uh, even Hank Aaron, who I believe is one of the top three greatest baseball players of all time, that's the type of talent level that the Braves are losing. And not that Ronald has had a Hank Aaron season, although he was trending towards that way at points this year. Not that it, It's not that you can't win or that the rest of the team is now bereft of talent, but you can't lose somebody like a Ronald Acuna Jr. and, and be okay. You can still win. You can still be a decent team. You can still be a good team. But you're never going to replace what Ronald Acuna Jr. can give to your club. And that is where the Braves and the Braves fans find themselves at over the All-Star break. It really was about the worst possible thing you could see happen heading into the break. The Braves had finally gained a little bit of momentum. They'd gotten back to 500, which is a story we've seen a million times this year. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. goes down on really what was kind of a freak play. It was a good hit by Jazz Chisholm, put a charge into it, and Ronald Acuna tried to make an explosive athletic play. It's one of the plays that he might have been one of the only people on the team who could have even attempted, uh, and it did not work out, and he ended up tearing his ACL, a complete tear of his ACL. He will be out for the rest of the season, obviously. Uh, already had the surgery, and he is in Colorado for the All-Star break uh, to, to be there with the game. Said he was voted in. He wanted to show up there for the fans, even if he couldn't play. Uh, and for the Braves, you could tell that it that it really hurt the ball club. The game after, the game right before the break, they show out and they come out to, to play the Marlins, and Pablo Lopez strikes out the all nine hitters, uh, all nine players, all nine starters for the Braves the first time through the order. Uh, it was the only time, I believe it was the only time in the history of baseball that a pitcher struck out the side 
in all three innings to start the game. Came up one strikeout shy of tying Aaron Nola and Randy Johnson, maybe. But I know Aaron Nola uh, for the most consecutive strikeouts at 10. Braves going to lose that game. Made a little bit of a run a little bit later, but wasn't enough to, to pull it out. Uh, and so the Braves finish the break, finish at the break, one game under 500. Um, and this kind of brings, for, for Braves fans, it kind of brings up to a boil uh, a diverge in the fan base for really what, what 2021 should be. The people who are already clamoring that the Braves should sell, they're going to get a lot louder. They're going to gain a lot more members right now because it was going to be hard to, to do anything substantial this year the way they'd been playing even with Ronald Acuna. Now you take out Ronald Acuna and you're scratching your head wondering how in the world is this team going to do anything without one of the greatest superstars in all of baseball. And you can see, aside from, from the Marlins Twitter account who looks like probably got fired because of it, um, because of that tweet, you guys have all seen it by now. Uh, everybody else around baseball, superstars around the league mourning the loss of Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, Freddie Freeman was very, very open and honest about what losing Ronald Acuna Jr. meant to this team uh, the day that it happened in the game after. He basically said, yeah, I mean, you saw how he came out the next day. Everybody was a little hungover after losing Ronald and came out, and everybody struck out the first time through the order. Uh, it, it, it's not an easy... It's, it's what was already an uphill battle is now a much, much higher climb and a much more difficult climb at that. I'm, I still believe that the Braves can make it. I do still believe that the Braves can make it to the postseason. I'll, I'll explore that a little bit later, um, but there's a lot that the Braves have to do in order to be able to do this, and it's going to require a lot of different pieces that have not been working in conjunction this year, working in conjunction. I do believe it'll happen. We'll explore that a little bit in the second and the third segment, um, but I do want to preface this that it wasn't all just bad news. The home run derby that we saw last night, and by the way, uh, I know that a lot of Braves fans probably didn't want to watch the Derby, seeing as there's still some, some hard feelings about the, the All-Star game being taken away from Atlanta. Let me just say the last night's home run derby was... I've seen... I, I watch every single home run derby. Uh, last night's, and it could just be recency bias, it's very possible, but I thought last night's derby was the best derby I'd ever seen. Uh, it was phenomenal from start to finish. Uh, everybody was hitting a bunch of homers. You're in Coors. It was actually like 90 degrees at the start of it. They didn't store the balls in the humidor, so balls were flying out left and right. Uh, just crushed jobs. Everybody who participated did a really, really good job. Uh, and, and it was just, it was all around a ton of storylines, a ton of great participants. Uh, you got to see Shohei Otani and Juan Soto face off in the first round. Literally, every round, it seemed, there were, there were big, gigantic matchups. Uh, and overall, I needed a big derby like that. I really did. I've been really down in the dumps after losing Ronald Acuna Jr., as most Braves fans are. But that, was, that derby was a nice little respite last night, a nice little getaway to be able to watch some guys do some insane things and hit balls insanely far uh, before Pete Alonso repeats as the derby champion. I believe it makes him the fourth repeat champ in the history of the home run derby. King Griffey Jr. still with three leads it, but at this point, Pete Alonso should be your heavy favorite for next year as well as he just completely crushed the field. There's no doubt that Pete Alonso is the unquestioned home run derby goat. Uh, somebody's going to have to wrench that title from him. I would have liked to see Nelson Cruz in it because I just wanted to see Nelson Cruz and his 40-year-old self just mashing homers and cores. But what Pete Alonso did was, was, frankly, one of the most amazing showings at any derby of all time. Um, just perfectly built, perfect swing for it, perfect, uh, perfect game plan going in. 
his guy throwing in pitches was incredible, which is not something to be ignored. It really is a team event at the Home Run Derby. The guy throwing your BP has to be able to put him in the spots that you want. Uh, and and uh, Jouse, I don't know his first name. I'm sorry, Mets fans. Um, but he was fantastic. And Pete Alonso just crushed everybody in what was a supreme event. Uh, Trey Mancini, coming back from cancer, was, was in and out of the hospital, overcame stage three cancer, as a matter of fact, makes it to the final hitting bombs left and right, and put up a fantastic showing in that final round. Uh, I believe it was 21. I believe it was 21 homers that he hit in the final round. Just crushing baseballs, looking good. Hitting them to all parts of the field, too, which was not something that we saw a lot during the night. Joey Gallo had a ton of problems early, but went on a torrid tear at the end. Juan Soto and Shohei Otani went to <laughs> had two ties, so they had, we finally had our first swing-off in the history of the new rules of the Home Run Derby, and Otani and Soto together just mashing baseballs. Otani hitting three different baseballs at 117-mile-per-hour exit, exit velocities, hit three or four over 500 feet. Salvador Perez, where everybody was ignoring Salvador Perez because Pete Alonso put up 35 homers in the first round. Salvador Perez was crushing baseballs. Juan Soto hit one 521 feet as he ended up going and facing off against Pete Alonso. Uh, he ended up facing off against Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso beat him as well. Just a, just a great showing all around. Matt Olson, uh, I, basically, I, my whole home run derby was basically snuffed after one round. The only person I had that went farther was Pete Alonso, and I, I picked Joey Gallo to win. I picked it to be Gallo and Otani. Looking back, I probably should have realized a little bit that Pete Alonso has a lot of power and dominates derbies. But overall, I was very, very happy with that derby. It was really, I really needed it. I needed something that was going to be fun and kind of amazing where I could sit back and just be like, holy crap, look at these guys go. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope all of you did too. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're going to really take a look at the Braves and why I do still believe that there is hope this season for the Braves to make the postseason. So if you're looking for a little bit of a pick-me-up after a little bit of a down or of a start first segment, make sure you stick around. We'll be back after this right here on Locked on Braves. Today's episode of Locked on Braves is brought to you by Rock Auto. Why would you go to an auto parts store? You know you're going to pay a price markup. You know they're probably not going to have it in stock and they're going to have to order it anyway. Probably going to order it from Rock Auto. Why not cut out the middleman? You have a phone. You have a computer. Just go to rockauto.com. Order the parts for yourself. Rockauto.com has every, it's just about, I won't say every, but just about every part for just about every make and model of car you can possibly imagine. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, there is no reason why you shouldn't be using Rock Auto. They'll deliver it directly to your door. You don't have to pay that 20 to 30% markup for going into a store that doesn't have enough room in their store to stock all the parts that Rock Auto has anyway, so they're going to have to wait for it to come in anyway. Just go to rockauto.com. It's a family-owned and operated business. The best parts, the best prices for your vehicles. Your car takes care of you. Do the right thing and take care of it. Go to rockauto.com. And in the box down at the bottom where it asks, where did you hear about us? Make sure you put in the Locked On Podcast Network or Locked On Braves more specifically. Go to rockauto.com and enjoy the ability to buy parts without putting on pants. rockauto.com today. Everybody, welcome back to the program. So, like I teased before this segment started, 
why I do not believe the Braves are necessarily out of it, why I'm still holding on a little bit of hope. Now, I'll preface this, maybe I'm a little bit naive here, but I do still believe that the Braves, even losing a talent like Ronald Acuna Jr., they do still have a chance to go to the postseason. I say that more because nobody in the NL East has really laid claim to the division. The Mets have been, the Mets are, are the only team over 500 in this division. Uh, and they have currently a four-game lead over the Braves. Now, four games is nothing. Uh, over the last ten games, the Braves and the Mets are both 6-4. and four. The Braves are finally up over 500 at home, 24-22. and 22. Their away record has gotten much better at 20-23. The, the home record needs to get better. That's where the Mets and the Phillies have the decided advantage because both of them have been pretty bad away from home. The Braves have actually been the best team in the division away from Truett, have been the best team in the division away from home. So there is still something there that you can say, and you can hang your hat and say, hey, the Braves are playing better, even if they're still unable to get over 500. And I'm not saying this to make any sort of excuse for the Braves. They've played awful in the first half, and there's a lot that they have to do if they're going to have any hope of making it to the postseason. And, my, and people saying, well, you know, why do you want to go to the postseason if, if you're not going to have a real chance at winning? As I've mentioned uh, numerous times, and I actually was on Locked On MLB with Sully talking about this, windows are a myth. They're not real. Um, baseball is so variable that you need to take advantage of every opportunity you can get. Now, that doesn't mean that you go out and you sell the entire farm to go all in on 2021, but you don't have to go all in on 2021 in order to make this team better without significantly hurting yourself. The, the MLB draft finishing up today. I'm not going to talk a lot about the draft picks. Frankly, I didn't do uh, a ton of draft prep this year, uh, and I, Alex Anthopoulos and I have very key differences, have, have basically gigantic differences in the way that we approach drafts, and it's, it's kind of pointless to really look at drafts and draft classes and try to judge whether they were successful or not uh, until you're about anywhere from two to four years down the line. I will say that everybody in the NL East uh, had very, very good drafts, particularly in the first and second round. Uh, the Marlins came away with probably the steals of the first round, getting Khalil Watson where they did, and Watson is a very, very talented player with a chance. And I say a chance because it's not likely to happen, but there's, there's a chance he could be a Francisco Lindor type of guy, uh, as a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Uh, also came away with Joe Mack, one of the better prep catchers in the class, right behind uh, Harry Davis, Harry Ford, Harry Ford, I'm sorry, uh, Henry Davis, Harry Ford. Um, but overall, uh, and, and, and the Nationals took one of the highest upside picks in the entire draft in Brady House. So there is a chance there that you could see some really, really good superstar talent continue to add to this division as the Mets got Kamar Rocker at 10 when no one thought Kamar Rocker would fall that far. They had to be ecstatic about that. Um, overall, though, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not a draft expert. I'm not a, pro, I'm not a, I'm not a draft prospect expert either. Um, I usually wait until they're actually in the minor leagues for a little bit, and I can kind of start to see how they kind of form over a year or two. Um, so that's, that's not anything that I'm even going to really dig into today. But if the Braves are going to make it, and this is the case, if the Braves are going to make it to the postseason this year, they've got to be willing. Alex has to be willing to do something he hasn't been willing to do up to this point, and that's to part with some valuable prospects. And I don't mean guys that you've seen enough of and have soured on. Like, everybody will point Colby Allard was a top 10 prospect at the time. He was number 10 in the system when he was traded to Texas. That's after being number one in the system for a long, long time uh, and then failing to meet expectations and kind of falling to 10 and really wouldn't have been 10 had, had the correct updated rankings really come out. He wouldn't have been 10 at the start of the next season, but at that point he was still 10th. Joey Wentz was 12th at the time. Uh, again, probably would not have been 12th at the next season, although I believe in Joey Wentz. Um, and that was in the Shane Green trade. Basically, both of the highest-end prospects that have been traded by Alex have been traded for relievers. 
didn't make didn't make a run. Didn't want to pay up the price to get Lance Lynn. Uh, didn't want to pay the price, even though it was a tiny price, to get you Darvish. That's one of the things that has left a sour taste in my mouth as far as Alex Anthopoulos is concerned in his Braves tenure. Now, you can make a case for a few things that he's been, uh, he's, he's tried to outsmart the room a little too much as far as picking up guys off the scrap heap when the Braves really haven't had a lot of money uh, owed to a lot of people. Even the, the Ozuna deal before that went south in a hurry was really more of a, a, a crazy good deal as opposed to he went out there and spent big money. Uh, the biggest contract he's given, aside from Ozuna, was Will Smith, and then the $11 million to Drew Smiley. Neither of those looking like they're going to work out. The Josh Donaldson deal was fantastic. Again, that was a one-year deal, though. Um, but you got to do some things like that. You have to be willing to part with the prospects if you want to bring in the talent that you've got to bring in in order to, to win and go to the postseason. Uh, and I say this because losing Ronald Acuna Jr., who, who was an MVP frontrunner this year. Jacob deGrom should win it, um, but, but Ronald was right there with him, and a lot of times people will, will give more to position players because they play every day as opposed to pitchers. Um, but Freddie Freeman is a former MVP. Ozzie Albies is, in my opinion, the best second baseman in baseball, but definitely top two or top three. Um, you've still got some other talent. Austin Riley has shown that when he's hot, he can carry a team. You've still got some offensive talent there. Getting Travis Darno back is going to have to play a big role too. But Freddie and Ozzy can definitely carry an offense. They haven't to this point this year, although both of them have really come on strong in the last month or so. Um, but both of those two are talented enough offensive pieces to where you can still score enough runs to win games. Now, the problem is you don't have the, the true game-breaking ability. Freddie can knock a game open. Ozzy can do a lot of crazy things. But it's not that true... One at bat completely changed the complexion of a game multiple times, bring you back from the brink of losing through through some sort of crazy explosive athletic feat. The way that Ronald Acuna Jr. could, whether it be his arm, his speed on the bases, his aggressiveness on the bases, his power, any of that, his his ability to spark the offense and spark the team in general, you can't really overstate that. So that is a big deficit to have to overcome. Ronald or. Freddie and Ozzy can definitely play the point of the big points of this offense enough to get the Braves to the postseason, even without Ronald. On paper, the Braves have a good lineup. It has not performed that way this year. Dansby has been awful. He got better as soon as Orlando Arcia got called up. Shocker of all shockers. That's how Dansby tends to work. Uh, when, as soon as there's somebody up there that kind of challenges the position and he has to lock in, all of a sudden he starts performing a little bit better. Arcia has, has been really, really good since being called up. He's going to need to continue to be. Guillermo Heredia has been good all season. He, they're, he's going to have to stay good. Um, Austin Riley is in a little bit of a cold stretch, but you started to see him heat back up right before the break. Hopefully he can carry that over because Austin is going to be instrumental to this offense. Um, it doesn't have to be the crazy highs of when he's at the full peak where he's just crushing everything left and right, but he does need to be a little bit more consistent. If the Braves are going to do much, he's got to be able to be a little bit less Justin Upton and a little bit more Josh Donaldson from what we saw in 2019. Now, I say that knowing full well that Josh Donaldson took a little bit of time to heat up, but when Josh Donaldson went on his hot stretch, it carried over for months. It wasn't like a month or, or two or three weeks. It was, it was a, st a sustained amount of time. And that's what we need to see from Riley. Riley's going to have to step up huge. Not just offensively, but defensively as well. Because that's one of the things. Everything's going to have to tighten up. When you lose somebody like Ronald Acuna, if you're going to have any shot at continuing to, to, to be a good team and to actually go deep into a postseason without a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr., you're going to have to have every other phase of your, of your team pick up the slack. Because not one single player cannot pick up what Ronald gave you. Everybody, else, everybody has to lift their game pretty much across the board. And that's, that's one of the key things the Braves are going to have to do. In addition to, I do believe, having to make 
one to two to maybe even three moves, at least one of them being a big move. I would say that you probably need two big two big pieces added as and, and a third smaller but but not insignificant would would help a lot as well. We'll explore that a little bit more coming up in the third segment. I don't have enough time to really dig into it, but I know that's everybody's favorite to talk about potential trade targets. Uh, and I will give you some of my favorite ones coming up right after this, right here on Locked on Braves. Today's episode of Locked on Braves is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is my favorite place to go to place online wagers. I just did for this past UFC card, where Dustin Poirier, even though it was a doctor stoppage, was beating the crap out of Conor McGregor. Felt pretty good to win some money off of that. Felt even better to win a lot more money off of Gilbert Durino Burns, who was a gigantic underdog for some unknown reason, and went out there and did what anybody should have understood that he was going to do, which was to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. If you were clued in like that, like me, and you didn't place a wager, why not? If you had gone to betonline.ag, you could have got a great line just like I did, and you could have walked away feeling smarter than the room. Go to betonline.ag if you are a beginner, if you're an advanced player, whatever the case is, they've got lines for you all the way across the board. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find those types of lines on BetOnline. If you don't see one that you want, you can tell them. If you give them their line, you give them a line, you say, hey, this is the line I want to bet, it's a good line, they're going to make a line just for you. Their customer service is second to none. It's a fun way to get involved in some sports that maybe you wouldn't have been involved in otherwise. Maybe you want to, to start watching some soccer or, or some cricket or horse racing or or boxing, or whatever, go put a little bit of money down. It's going to drum your interest up. It's going to create some suspense, and you're going to have a whole lot more fun. Just go to betonline.ag, and in the promo code section, use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% deposit match on your initial deposit, so you're going to get some free play money. Go to betonline.ag, betonline, get in the game. Everybody, welcome back to the show for the final segment. In this one, we're going to basically look at a bunch of trade targets that I think would, would help the Braves get to the postseason, maybe make a run. Uh, like I said, the Braves, I do still think, are talented to make it. I do think they're talented enough to make it to the postseason. I do think they can overcome the Mets, even though the Mets are going to get Noah Syndergaard back and maybe Carlos Carrasco not too far in the future as well. I think the Braves still have the overall ability defensively, offensively, uh, and through at least the starting pitching. To, to make this a race and, and to ultimately come out on top. They're not buried. I think that that's something that could really come back to bite the rest of the NL East. The Braves played about as bad as you could or about as inconsistently as you could in a first half, and they haven't been buried. Four games is not insurmountable. Four games is actually not much of a lead at this point in the season, really. It's not much of a lead until you get to about you know a, a few weeks left in the season. So the, the first two weeks out of the break, in my opinion, are going to be very, very important. The Braves are, need to, are going to need to continue to carry over some momentum. 6-4 and four in their last 10. That's not necessarily the run I was looking for, but it's not that far away from it. If you can go, uh, if you can take 8 of, of 10 or, or, or take 7 of 9 or, or go on a 6-game win streak, something like that, something to push you over that mark and gain some momentum, this Braves team is talented enough. Now, I do still believe that they need some talent added because you're not just losing Ronald Acuna the bat, you're losing Ronald Acuna the superstar right fielder as well. And that's going to be a big loss as well because that's going to put a lot more pressure on whoever's playing center field. Guillermo Heredia has done a pretty good job so far this year, but he's had Ronald Acuna patrolling right 
to take care of most of the slack there. And you've got Orlando Garcia in left field, who has not traditionally been a left fielder. So you're going to have to do something. I don't think it would be right to expect Ray Adrianza to be able to pick up all of that slack, or Abraham Almonte, or to call up Drew Waters uh, and have him just go right in there and do it, or even Christian Pache, both of whom have played very well in Gwinnett uh, before the break here, which is good to see because they had struggled for a bit. I still don't think either of them are the ones that you want to bring up right now Say, hey, we need you to go out there and fall so we can get to the postseason. Maybe it would work. Maybe that would. Maybe it would, but it wouldn't be a recipe for success. I think that this Braves team needs to go out there and add a couple of pieces, but some significant pieces nonetheless. Well, obviously, we've talked about Joey Gallo. Uh, big time power would allow you to to move everyone up a slot. Maybe have Ozzy lead off. Uh, I might be convinced to have Guillermo Heredia lead off because at least he runs like a 350 OBP, and as long as his OBP is going well, then I'm fine with him lead off. Um, we talked about uh, Mitch Haniger before. I think that's a little bit on the smaller side of a move. Uh, I think that if you add him to this lineup, you're definitely helping the power. You're lengthening the lineup a little bit. Uh, same same kind of mood there. You probably have him batting fourth, um, bump Riley down a slot. I don't know. You're a little bit right-handed heavy at that point. Uh, Trevor Story obviously is going to be a big name. Now that would obviously mean that you're trading Dansby Swanson, but trading Dansby for Trevor Story would be a huge net win and something that the Rockies, after Jeff Bridich getting fired over Nolan Arenado, um, he's he's probably not like whoever their their assistant or their de facto GM at the time is right now. I doubt they're going to be looking to get a tiny return for Trevor Story just because of the fallout from from Nolan. I think that they're going to be looking for something. Uh, at least comparable value, maybe a little bit higher, and try to leverage some of these teams that are right on the cusp into adding somebody like Story, who, while he hasn't had an amazing season this year, I think you get him on a team where he's not the focal point of every team's game plan. I think he goes out there and he has a a big second half in him. Um, Brian Reynolds I've talked about a lot. I still think Brian Reynolds makes a ton of sense. You can put him in right field right off the jump, and he's going to do very, very well. He's a guy that you can have bat leadoff, switch hitter up at the top, has a lot of power, OPSing up over 800, close to 900, I believe, right now. Uh, 13 homers. Can steal you a few bags, but is a good all-around player. Would be really nice to see. Then there's some other ones that I haven't talked about yet on the show, but that I kind of think that you have to be in this area. I don't think you can go below uh, a Brian Reynolds and call that as being your significant, your 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 biggest move. <laughs> I do think, as apparently my dog agrees with me, that you can't go anything more than that. Um, Justin Upton makes some sense to me. If the Angels are, are looking to to trade a bad deal for a bad deal, you could get them to take on. Uh, if you could get them to take on Ender Inciarte and Drew Smiley, uh, and then give you about fifteen million in Justin Upton, or even ten million in Justin Upton, I think that would be a decent swap. Yes, you'd be losing Smiley, the starting pitcher, who's who's had some success lately. Uh, and you don't want to make your starting pitching necessarily worse, but you do feel like you've got Watuki Toussaint performing the way he is. Bryce Wilson has shown some some decent things at the major league level this year. Uh, you feel like you could maybe scratch together that you could fix that fifth spot in the rotation easier than you could fix a giant bat. Justin Upton, the, the bad thing about him is how much money he's owed, so you definitely have to have them take some bad contracts in return. Uh, having Smiling and Ciarte on there, that would that would roughly be about, uh, let's see, I think I think Ender is 7 or $8 million this year. Drew Smiley's 11. I don't know what the pro rates are out for the rest of this season, but roughly you figure it's probably about uh, Justin was 23 heading into this year, 28 into next year. So you get 15 million uh, from them in return, or to even 10 million to cut down his costs on him. You can essentially make Justin Upton anywhere from 4 million to eight to eight or nine million next year. Then that's a worthwhile that's a worthwhile deal to me. He can still hit the ball. It's a bad fielder, but he's still pretty athletic. Uh, actually. 
runs pretty well, especially for, for how older he is and, and, and his profile. He's still very streaky, but he's got a 124 WRC+. Plus, still big-time power. Probably play up outside of the AL West, which still has some pretty big ballparks. I do think that, that would be worth... In, I, I think that'd be worth looking into, but that could not be the main move. I don't think that that would be like a take-you-over-the-hump piece, but it would be something to be nice to get into this lineup. A guy with big-time power essentially runs a lot like Ozuna, and, and the Ozuna deal is obviously going to look crazy because of what he did last year in 60 games, but Ozuna is always a very streaky type of hitter, so a guy like Justin Upton is right in that vein too. You just have to hope that he and Austin uh, and your other kind of streaky guys in the lineup wouldn't go cold at the same time. Um, Another guy you could add that I'd look for, maybe even a reunion with a Josh Donaldson. Uh, Donaldson has been, he hasn't been healthy very much this year, but the Braves were able to get the most out of him when he was here. Maybe he comes back and, and in the, the weather here in Atlanta just agrees with him a little bit. I don't know. But if you look at his stat cast data, he's still performing at, at basic Josh Donaldson levels. He's still older. I, I don't know what you would expect, but it would be a, it would be a, a worthwhile bat. He'd be a good defender at third base. Um, all of his StatCast numbers are still really, really good. The, the third base defense is still great. The chase rate is still fantastic. All of his, his batted ball data is, is, is top of the chain. Really, really good there. Still has a lot of power in him. Hitting the ball super hard. Uh, has his launch angle still dialed in pretty good. Uh, hitting the ball on the barrel a good bit as well. And he's got a pretty decent walk rate. It's a little bit down from what we've seen before. But, but still up over, uh, it's about 14%, which is very nice. The K percentage is actually down this year, which is good to see from him. And the hard hit rate for him right now is the second highest of his career. Um, he, he's, he would be a worthwhile addition. Uh, having a, a, a pretty decent season, I would still think um, you'd still need to add some bullpens. But, but with teams like the Twins looking to sell off, because they're, they're, they're buried already. The Twins are one of those examples of a team that's buried. Donaldson would be a worthwhile look. You can move Riley to one of the outfield corners and leave Arcia in the other one. Now, defensively, your outfield might might be kind of susceptible at that point, um, but your offense would be pretty good. And Riley's Riley's athletic enough to where you still think he can handle left field. He's actually a higher-rated left fielder than a third baseman. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think that Riley shows a lot of promise at third base, even if he hasn't realized it yet. Uh, but a couple of the other guys that I would really look at, Teoscar Hernandez would probably be my favorite to add. I don't even know if, if Toronto would be looking to deal him, but if you could even do something where they give you Teoscar Hernandez and you give them a deal kind of centered around Charlie Morton, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to replace Charlie, who's pitched very, very well lately. Uh, that would be a little bit difficult, especially since Max hasn't really been Max Freed this season. Uh, I think you'd be relying a little bit higher. And it also kind of depends on Ian Anderson, who also is, is having to get an MRI on his shoulder. Uh, you're talking about you might have to come up with some creative ways. So I don't know how much they're going to want to deal starting pitching. Uh, that's on the Major League Club. So I think Teoscar Hernandez is probably more of a pipe dream. I don't think that has much of a chance of happening. Um, Chris Bryant, uh, the Cubs are definitely selling off already. We should be tra targeting Craig Kimbrell. Uh, if we're going with the Twins, we should be targeting a Taylor Rogers. Uh, I, I, Richard Rodriguez I've mentioned a number of times. Ryan Tapera from the Cubs would be an excellent, excellent small addition. Uh, so like if you were to go with, with uh, Chris Bryant, if you could get Chris Bryant and Kimbrell, that'd be amazing. If you could get Bryant and Tapera, would be more likely, but would be a very good move as well. You'd still probably have to give up a decent bit, but not a ton. Uh, knowing that Chris Bryant's going to be a free agent, I don't think the Braves would trade away a ton of, super, of controllable talent for guys that they feel are going to walk at the end of the season. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the whole, oh, you can't add any sort of rental. I do still think you need to play for the postseason. So the postseason is out of reach. I do still think you need to do that. One guy I haven't mentioned on this show, 
uh, because I really didn't think that the Braves would go for him, but now makes a ton of sense, would be Cattell Marte. Now, the Yankees are probably going to be bidding pretty heavily for him, but Cattell Marte would be an, a, a really, really excellent addition to this ball club. Um, he would actually cover up a lot of holes. Now, Cattell is a center fielder, which is fine. You can move Guillermo to right. Cattell should be perfectly fine. Maybe you have Cattell playing uh, in right field. I believe he's on the 10-day IL at the moment, uh, but he took live batting practice. Uh, and and for, for Cattell Marte this season, the power has not been what, we're, what we've been used to seeing from him. The ISO is still pretty good. It's actually the second highest ISO of his career is isolated power. But that's off a of 414 Babbitt. But he's actually he's crushing the ball. 162 WRC+. Plus. Uh, he, he has played in 37 games this year. So he's been injured a fair amount. Uh, that's not something that you want to see, obviously. But 27 years old, uh, he's a guy that has a lot that he can do. He's a very, very good player. You'd have him under control through next year with 2023 and 2024 club options. Doesn't make a ton of money. Averages about $5 million a season. Uh, he, he would be wildly helpful. You could have him batting leadoff as well. You could just have him take the place of Ronald in the lineup, uh, and, and you don't have to change much. You've got a guy who, who has a good bit of speed as well. Uh, he would be about the closest you could get to replacing Ronald. He doesn't have that same type of power, but in 2019, popped off for 32 homers. There is, there, there's some pop in that bat. He's carrying a good walk rate, does not strike out, makes a ton of contact, which this team can always use in this type of game. Uh, and he's a guy that, that can switch it as well. I, I like him a lot. It would cost to get him. He would be very, very expensive. Uh, listed as second baseman and shortstop, but has a lot of experience in center field as well. Uh, that, would probably be, that would probably be the most expensive person to get on this list would be Cattell Marte because he does have uh, a, a few more years of control, which would make him kind of the highest in target. Now, the Diamondbacks are awful. They've got some good pieces in their farm system, but I do think that's something that the Braves should really, really explore. I don't know about their bullpen pieces as much. I'd probably still try to swing a single deal for Marte and then go on and get somebody like Richard Rodriguez or Craig Kimbrell or even Taylor Rogers solo to add that. I'd like to see them. If you're going to do a Cattell Marte, which would be, I think, probably the, the best move you could make as far as replacing as much of Ronald as you could, Cattell Marte would make the most sense. You're going to have to outbid the Yankees, who I do think are going to get, who are going to go for a pretty big offer on him. Um, but there, any of the any of these guys, any of these combinations, uh, I do think would allow the Braves to stay the most talented team on paper in the division, offense, defense, pitching wise. You definitely have to fix that bullpen. Maybe some of these guys start to even out a little bit in the second half. I don't know. The bullpen has been very very shaky, especially since the crackdown on on, on foreign substances. So we'll see what happens there. But there is still hope, Braves fans. I'm not giving up hope yet. Maybe I'm naive, but I'm going to choose to be naive for now until there's no other recourse. I still think a lot of this is going to come down to does Alex have the stones to make one of these big moves? He's going to have to. If he doesn't make one of these big moves, if the Braves come out and they're, they're slow or Ian Anderson misses any real amount of time and he just decides to punt and bring up some of the young guys, personally I think that that's going to, that's going to be a, a bad move for Alex. I don't buy into that. It's not going to change a lot of the perception around a lot of the Braves fans. And you could say maybe he shouldn't care about that, but he definitely should too because for Liberty Media, you're going to need to keep people in the ballpark. That, to me, is the secret denominator in this. Liberty, The Braves have been number one in attendance this season. Atlanta fans are very fickle. If you throw out a bad product, an untalented product, they're not going to show up. And if that happens, then this is really going to be a lost season for Liberty Media, and I don't think they're going to want that. That's my one shining example of why ownership. Everybody likes to complain about Liberty Media, but in this instance, they might be the force that drives Alex Anthopoulos to do something he has 
thus far in his Braves GM tenure been unwilling to do to go out there and bring in some major pieces uh, at, the, at the expense of some prospects. And it's going to hurt because you'd be losing some prospects you don't really want to lose. But that's the name of the game when you get to the big league levels. you got to start playing like the big boys. All that said, I'm going to go ahead and end today's episode now. Hopefully you guys enjoyed or uplifted a little bit. Uh, just remember, guys, in, until hope is gone, hold out hope because I'm going to do that for sure. It's going to make it. It's going to keep me watching the Braves until at least the very end, until I know there's nothing left to really hold on for. Then I'll just start watching for prospects. But for now, the Braves are not out of this yet. The Braves still have a chance, and just because Ronald is gone this year doesn't mean that this year has to go in the tank. This would be a good, a great opportunity for somebody else, for some two or other three, or some of these other young guys to really establish themselves as the complementary pieces and to go forward when you get Ronald Acuna back, putting yourself into a really advantageous position. We'll see what happens going forward. But for now, I'm going to end the episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll be back later this week right here on Locked on Braves. Mm -hmm.